0: Welcome back to the Haven Audio Podcast. This is episode 10, and I am Chad Wallenberg, here with Corey Kirkland. Corey, how you doing? I am doing great. Chad, how are you? I'm doing wonderful. You know, I've gotten used to saying, Corey, how you doing, at least once a week with my headphones on, talking into a mic and all that stuff, and this is the last podcast. Yeah, I'm feeling a little bit nostalgic. You it's, have been, me too. it's been 10 fun weeks. It really has. I've enjoyed doing this. I really um, hope that... Uh, I really hope that all of you that are listening have felt edified and blessed by what we're doing. I've felt blessed by working through these conversations with you, and I really hope that that's uh, if if you if you as the listener have felt half as blessed as I have by this podcast throughout the summer. I think that that's a win for us.
1: Yeah, it really has been fun to have these discussions, and the only reason we can have these discussions is because of our awesome students. That wrote us these questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, once again, this is number. This is a ninth summer, and we were able to cover every question that was submitted to us this year. So, I'm really happy about that. And uh, God always kind of provides exactly as much material as we have time. Yeah, we did kind of add. School started. Yesterday, and so we we have gone a little bit over the first haven of the year. Mm -hmm. In actual, like, person, everybody breathing the same germy air, the first (laughs) haven will be this Wednesday night at 9. So. We've gone a little bit over, but I think it's important that we answer all the questions.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, this is something I had a church member today who is one of my counters. I I handle all the finances at the church. And uh, one of the ladies that comes in and volunteers every other week to count mentioned the podcast today. And she was just talking about how relevant the questions felt and how how helpful some of the discussions that we've had have been. And it really made me feel good. And honestly, I felt really proud of our students because— you know, there is a lot of maturity there. You've been asking questions as students that are relevant to people who aren't in the same stage of life as you, um, who have, have lived a little bit longer than you, some that might have not be as old as you. And that um, is a testament to your thoughtfulness. And I want to give you props about that.
1: Truth be told, you could take these 10 podcast episodes and get a pretty good theological background for life.
0: Absolutely, and uh, I've I've really enjoyed it. That's made it really fun to do, and it's blessing a lot of people. You know, who aren't just college students, but but you, our main audience, our, our USAO kids, y'all made that happen with your thoughtful questions, and I just I appreciate it. I'm the longer we talk, the more nostalgic I get. So why don't we uh, jump into the outline, Corey? What do you think?
1: I think that's a great idea, Chad. What's our question?
0: Okay, so this week our question was about trials and blessings. You know, we had a student submit this question, and, and really what they said, and I'm paraphrasing it here, but they, what, really what they said is, why does it seem like some people go through more trials than other people do? Really, there is a lot of fodder there for us to talk about, isn't there? Absolutely. I mean, I think that there's not really any way to look at the world and convince yourself that there's an even distribution of trials and blessings from person to person.
1: No, one of the things that's very important to, to learn if you're going to have any success in life is that life ain't fair.
0: Yeah. I mean, some of the most influential people that I've had in my life that have, that have molded me and shaped me the most have taken life isn't fair as one of their primary talking points, coaches, things like that. You know, if I'd say, oh, it's not fair, they'd say, well, neither is life. Get back in there, son. Right. And, and I've learned a lot of life lessons from that phrase. Life isn't fair. Yeah. You know, and, and that, I mean, life's not fair it can kind of feel cold, even though it's true and so let's let's unpack that statement. Life isn't fair in some ways. I just want to ask you the question: What are some reasons that life isn't fair
1: so so here's the quick answer Life isn't fair because we messed it up, and we I mean humanity uh, The Bible tells us that in the beginning, God created paradise He created the Garden of Eden and in the garden of Eden, God gave us no pain, no suffering, no troubles. Mm-hmm. But he did give us a choice. He gave us the ability to choose God or not God. And he did that by placing a fruit, the garden in the garden called the fruit of knowledge of good and evil. Yeah. And so he gave us the ability to choose not God. And everything else in the garden was good, good to eat, good to enjoy. And at some point in time, we don't know how long it took, Adam and Eve decided they wanted to try that not God option. But the Bible tells us every good thing comes from God. So if you choose not God, you choose not good. And so Adam and Eve brought not good into the world. Yeah. And that not good stuff created a chain reaction of sin that developed this crazy fallen world that we live in. And that's the short answer.
0: Yeah, and it affected everything, you know. I mean, that that not-God option took rain and, and nourishment for the, for the land and made it possible for that rain, while it brings nourishment to the land, to also bring things like tornadoes and hurricanes and, and, and things like that. It made natural disasters exist.
1: And sin... It's kind of like stickers in my backyard. The more of it you have, the more of it grows. Yeah. And we just keep making those not God decisions Mm -hmm. all the time. We keep doing bad stuff and every sin has a consequence. Yes. And sin doesn't just have consequences for the people that commit the sin. Sin has consequences for other people. All through the Bible, people suffer because somebody else makes a bad decision. In my life, I've hurt other people with my sinful decisions over and over and over. And other people have hurt me with their sinful decisions. And so what we have is billions of people, seven billions of people choosing not God things all the time. Mm -hmm. And that makes all kinds of worldly bad consequences. But we also have the environmental consequences and all those things, like you're talking about, that came into the world because we brought bad things into the world. Yeah. So a lot of this really does come down to the fact that God gave us free will. And unfortunately, we haven't made the best of choices when we've been given choices.
0: That's absolutely true. I mean, so many of the things that we... Um, experience, really every bad thing that we experience um, is either a consequence of our sin or somebody else's sin, even if that sin hasn't happened since Eden, right? Absolutely. Now, let me ask you this. I think the natural follow-up question to that is every bad thing that we face, can we trace that back to a specific sin that we've committed?
1: That's that's kind of a hard question it to really answer. Is. I'm going to kind of try to unpack it a little yes. bit at a time. Yeah. As you just said, every bad thing in the world is a consequence of sin. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's original sin that brought natural disasters into the world. Maybe that's a direct sin like, I treat you bad and so your heart is hurt. And maybe that's a sin like, I get drunk and drive and I kill somebody. Yeah, All those different sins have can be traced back to a sin. Mm-hmm. But I think maybe what, what you're asking is, when we see people who have a bad life is that because God's punishing them for their sins or a good life is that because God's rewarding them exactly
0: it's the job conundrum yeah exactly you know you look at job we referenced job just a little bit last week when we were talking about depression and all those things and you look at his friends and and his friends are there supposedly trying to help him and they're and they're trying to figure out what he did wrong because their assumption is you're being punished for something that you did or something that your son did that you didn't know about or whatever. Yeah. And the Bible is very clear that that wasn't the case, right? Yeah. It's, it's a both and situation. We
1: talked last week about those friends are basically the voice of Satan. And it's like bad theology 101 when they talk. Mm-hmm. And they said, look, you must have sin in your life because all these bad things have happened. But Jesus said it rains on the just and the unjust alike. And as a general rule, we can't look at somebody's bank account or somebody's physical health or any of those things and decide, gee, they're honoring God or they're not. Because the Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust alike.
0: But there are some exceptions. When you say that it rains on the just and the unjust alike, just to bring all of that down to kind of solid ground, we know from what we've just talked about from what we can see in Scripture that some of the trials that people face— are a direct consequence of their sin. When we sin, we are going to face hard times in some way from that sin to, to a greater or lesser degree. But there are also trials that we face that are not a direct consequence of, of our sin, right? They're just a consequence of living in a broken world, right? Um, and so I want to ask you this. How, is it important for us to try to discern what, where our trials are coming from? Should we treat those differently? Or is there one answer in both well, directions? I, I
1: think it's always good to ask, God, what are you teaching me today? Because the Bible says that God uses all things for good. Mm-hmm. All things he uses together for good. And so there's no question, if you're going through a trial right now, if you've got bad things happening, if you're in a rainy season or a dry season, depending on how much you like the rain, <laughs> you need to ask, God, what can you teach me through this? And what can you do? There's no question. It's always good to ask those questions. But just to be theologically solid, there really are only two examples in the Bible of types of situations when God makes disasters happen to people. And it's God directly acting as a result of of some life circumstance. Mm -hmm. So those disasters, Chad, are, number one, like prophetic disasters. So when you have someone like Jeremiah or Isaiah stand up and say, if you don't repent, we're going to be invaded or if you don't repent, we're going to have this natural disaster. Or Jonah, stand up and say, you repent or God's going to wipe out Nineveh. Or um, Lot saying, or God saying to Lot, basically, hey, Sodom and Gomorrah needs to repent or I'm going to wipe them out. Mm-hmm. So you have what I would say prophetic disasters.
0: And so when we talk about that, we talk about Noah's Ark and Sodom and Gomorrah, right? Um what we need to camp out on a little bit on the, that because situations like that are kind of unique in some ways and um, there we we there's some observations we need to be make about those sure right there.
1: now we could talk about Noah's Ark and the the philosophical and theological impact justifications all those things for we could set up a podcast series and just do nozark
0: yeah
1: and and you and doug kind of talked on some of those issues a little bit when you you dealt with one of your podcasts when i was gone when mm. you, you dealt with some moral issues and some ethics uh, yeah yeah but just a little picture answer what you have just really short every time there's what i call a prophetic catastrophe in the bible god sends a prophet first to say, this is going to happen if you don't repent. Mm-hmm. A lot of times in the Bible, they do repent and it doesn't happen. The greatest, most famous example of that th- that comes to my mind would be Jonah. Mm-hmm. So Jonah goes to Nineveh, doesn't even want to give him a chance to repent because he literally says, I know you, God, they'll listen. And I don't want that. I want you to blow them up. Yeah. I want, I want you to vaporize them. And he goes and pre- preaches anyway, and They listen. Mm-hmm. And so that that disaster at that point in time does not come. There are other disasters, like in the book of Jeremiah, when Jeremiah says specifically, this country is going to invade at this time. And we have the archaeological historical record to show that's exactly what happened. The army of Babylon met the army of Egypt, and Egypt was the heavy favorite. But they were wiped out, decimated, destroyed, so much so that we kind of lose the historical record of who the Egyptians really were before that. It's all a mystery because they're so wiped out. Jeremiah laid it out. It's exactly going to happen. Joseph, same thing. Joshua laid it out so well. Said these are going to happen. These are the things that are why and that's why they do it. Yeah. And every disaster that I'm aware of that is sin related in the Bible, every n- natural disaster, everything, every single one is a prophetic catastrophe. In other words, a prophet says first, this is going to happen if not, and God gives a warning. And so if a prophet did not come to you and say, if you don't repent, a tornado will destroy your house, it was probably not a prophetic catastrophe. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, there still are prophecies that have not occurred that are catastrophic in nature. Revelation has things like the tribulation and all kinds of terrible things that we're going to have to live through as Christians. And we could argue about whether you, how much of that you believe we're going to be, go through or whether you think we'll be raptured first. That's, that's a different discussion. But there are still prophetic catastrophes that have been predicted that haven't come true yet. But most of them don't involve your dog that got ran over or your house that got hit by a tornado or or your, your family that got run over by a bus, or those tragedies, unless a prophet came to you beforehand, it doesn't fall in that circumstance. And I think yeah. that's a really important thing for us to get our mind around.
0: It absolutely is, for a couple reasons. You know, first, Firstly, I think, especially for um, a college student sitting here listening to this, this is a conversation that you will have in a philosophy class or a Western Civ class, or any time you talk about biblical ethics, there's going to be someone raise this um a response and say, "Well, Noah, Noah's Ark. How how could any good God wipe out the population of the planet? You know, and with and and when they say that, usually they kind of gloss over the fact that Noah spent decades, uh, I mean, decades upon decades, building this ark and having people scoff at him and 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 trying to tell people, like, listen, if this, if you do not respond, this is going to happen." And people just said, "You know, whatever, you're crazy, all that stuff." Right.
1: Yeah. And, and I mean, if we're going to go there and get into Noah's Ark, also the point is God looked at, at at humanity and he saw that humanity, except for one person, was destined for hell. Yeah. And so what happens is you can have souls multiply for damnation for all time or you can start over and... and and give humanity a better chance with a family of believers. Yes, and that's what God did, and that's the a little bit longer short answer exactly. of, of Noah's Ark.
0: Exactly right. And secondly, not only in the example of Noah's Ark, where people warned about this prophecy and things like that, and you're going to have professors who who bring that up. On the other end of the spectrum, you know they aren't nearly as uh, culturally relevant right now as they were ten or fifteen years ago or, or whatever, but there there are groups that call themselves Christians that will call every single natural disaster a catastrophe sent by God. Westboro Baptist Church was a big one for a while and they were they would protest things. I remember tornadoes coming through the city. They protest and and all this stuff, saying that God had sent this as as a catastrophe to get our attention and things like that. There are, there are people on both sides of the um, kind of chasm of belief, unbelieving professors and and people who would call themselves pro, who are professing Christians who would both mislabel what we what Corey and I are calling a prophetic catastrophe. In my belief.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And those Westboro Baptist church people, they can't point to a prophet that said this will happen to yes. this person with the specificity required by the Bible. By the way, the Bible says if you prophesy about something like that and you're wrong, they're supposed to take you outside the city gates and beat you with rocks till you die. Yeah, So it's a big deal. Yeah, it's a very and, serious thing. And so about those Westboro Baptist church people who would say these things about God that are not true, The Bible says, woe to him who calls evil good or good evil. That is, that is not okay.
0: Yeah. I mean, woe to him means pity on you, right? Like, like I feel sorry for you. Like you about to have problems. Yes. Yes.
1: (laughs) Um, And you also have what I would say purposeful disasters. And those are generally more single person focused. Yeah.
0: So what um, what would be an example of a purposeful disaster? Let's unpack what that means.
1: Like the book of Job. Like the book of Job. God says specifically to Satan, not Job. You can count on him. And so what we know from this story is God does allow this for his purpose. But that purpose in that story educates us for thousands of years going forward and helps us understand more about God and our walk with him. And God himself shows up and comforts Job, and the Bible tells us that Job, as crazy as this is for us to understand, his life was better after God rewarded him than it was before, yeah. which is just mind-boggling because we see all the bad stuff that happens.
0: Yeah, and that that's something that, that we see over and over and over again in Scripture when it comes to trials and even blessings on the opposite side of that spectrum is that when we take a wider perspective on those things— we can learn a whole lot, right? When we when we kind of zoom out a little bit and see what God's using those things for, no matter what the cause of those were, no matter how much those hurt in any given moment, God teaches us amazing things through trials when we take a wider perspective on them.
1: He does. He can use those things. Um, I, I like to tell people this is like Double Dragon. So when I was a kid, we had this video game. I didn't own it, but we rented it a lot called Double Dragon, me and my brother. And in Double Dragon, you're like these two ninja guys and you're walking down the street and there's all these thugs that come attack you. And some of them come and try to punch you and kick you and you can punch them and kick them back. And those fights take forever. But every now and then, somebody will have nunchucks or a chain or stick. And those guys, you punch them in the face and then you take their chain and you hit them with their own chain. Mm -hmm. And those are the really fun guys to fight. And that's exactly how God does with our trials. He takes those nunchucks that are supposed to knock us out, and he uses those to let us knock out other problems. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's way better at it than I was at my Nintendo game.
0: I've come to call situations like that sad blessings in my life. Um, If you you spend any amount of time with me, enough time to live life and kind of experience some of the highs and lows in life, you're probably going to hear me use the term sad blessing, because that's kind of what I call those situations, right? Where, you know, it would be insensitive or even um, wrong to, to just act like everything is hunky-dory and everything's just pure happy in any moment. But in the midst of your sadness, in the midst of the trial, you can see man, God is blessing me through this in some way, right? Um, it, it really kind of flies in the face of, I think, a lot of our American sensibilities. Um, but God can both bless us and allow us to be in a situation where we're sad at the same time. He can. Mm-hmm. And that's I think that's an important thing to remember.
1: And if you think about that, that seems counterintuitive, but think of like every good book you've ever read. Yeah. I bet the ending was bittersweet. Mm-hmm. I bet something bad happened, but it was okay.
0: Absolutely. And so one of the things that you mentioned is that God uses trials to help us prepare to do hard things, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And that's important. That's one of my favorite conversations to have with my older son, Reed. He is seven years old. And one of my favorite conversations to have with him, whether he's playing a sport or whether he's working on karate or whether we're working out in the backyard or whatever, is I love it when he says, Daddy, that's hard. Because my favorite thing to say back to him is, you can do hard things, right? Mm -hmm. And I just try to repeat that to him. You can do hard things. You can do hard things. In a lot of ways, sometimes our trials are God saying, you can do hard things.
1: I love that. You know, I was born with an eye disease called dysgraphia. And so that's a really, really, really rare disease. Very few people have it. Basically, the neural pathways between my brain and my eyes don't line up right and so it affects my tracking in my specifically my ability to follow an object as it moves Mm -hmm. or to pick up the same line on a book so i was very old when i learned to read and i really really struggle with that and to this day you could throw a hundred pitches at me with a baseball and i would catch zero Mm -hmm. i can't i'm physically not capable of catching a baseball can't do it um other stuff I'm good at. Um, the reading thing got way better, but I still I can't dribble a basketball, can't catch a baseball, not possible. Mm-hmm. So when I was a kid, one night I was in bed, and I, my mom came in and prayed over me, and she prayed. Thank you for my son. I wouldn't change anything about him. And I was supposed to be asleep. I was pretending to be asleep. Mm -hmm. And I heard that and I got so angry and I just yelled at my mother. I said, what is wrong with me? Don't you love me? Why do you want me to suffer? My eyes don't work. I can't catch a baseball. What is wrong with you? And she said, if you didn't have those problems, you wouldn't be you. I've watched you overcome those. I've watched those things humble you. And I've watched those make you into who you are. And as a young man trying to sleep at night, I didn't get it. And I was literally angry at my mom. And I lay there in bed kind of angry at God. But as I got older, I realized she was right. And those struggles that I've gone through have made me a different person than I would be if I hadn't. Uh, A lot of the academic success that I've had maybe comes from having some really great comprehension that comes from really having to fight to learn to read when I was younger and all those and the sports that I really like, like football and weightlifting and water skiing and snow skiing. Maybe the reason I leaned into those is because I couldn't do the other. And I have no desire to catch a baseball today. And I have a lot of desire to go down a mountain as fast as I can. Mm And so it's all worked out in every way.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, another thing we see is that the Lord uses trials to help us share the gospel. He does. And how does that work?
1: If you think about it, and we talk about this a lot at Haven, but God uses the weak things of the world to shame the weak. And Paul said specifically to the weak, I become weak so that by all things, I might reach some. And I become all things to all men. So the Bible means I might reach some. We are drawn to Vulnerability people like real people like to know there's a struggle nobody likes that story that says and Goliath went out to fight David and killed him we don't re- i hated ford versus ferrari people think that makes me a bad american look i drive two fords I like Ford. I love America. I don't like the fact that the largest company in the world gaming up this little Enzo Ferrari guy who builds cars in his garage and doesn't even have an assembly line, and the poor guy makes $5 million a year, which is a lot of money, but not compared to Ford. And Ford just says, okay, we'll just spend $50 million in a month to beat him. I hate that movie. I hate it. It's stupid. Yeah. And... That's the way humanity is. We don't root for the guy that's not the underdog.
0: Yeah, yeah, because I think we identify with the underdog. Mm-hmm. You know, I think another um, thing that trials help us in when it comes to sharing the gospel is trials serve to show what's really important in someone's life, right? Um, you know, there's—oh, uh, um, I can't remember whether it's James or First Peter. You'll probably have to correct me, but, but you know— I think it's First Peter where Peter says, "You have."
1: If Peter says it's definitely in Peter,
0: yeah, right. That's why that's why I said Peter because I'm I'm going all in on the First Peter thing. But he says, you know, you've gone through these trials so that you would be like precious gold, refined by fire. Right? Um, it it burns away all of those um, inconsistencies in the way that we think and all of, all of those other things, and it shows what's really important. And and that that relief, that con- contrast. Does so much to show people what we really find is as important. We'll go back to Job. One of my favorite lines in all of Scripture is when Job, in the in the midst of some of the hardest things that he went through, he said to God, "Though you slay me, still I will praise you. Though though you break me down, I will praise you." Because what he is doing is he is implicitly saying, "You are better than all of that."
1: That's right. And C.S. Lewis does a great job of explaining that. He says, when you understand infinity and you understand the eternity that we've been promised, you can be thankful for the most miserable short life that you could possibly have. And that's really hard to do, but it makes cognitive sense.
0: It does. It does. And sometimes in the midst of trials, that's all you have to hang on to. And sometimes, when other people are going through trials, they've seen you hang on to that, and they think to themselves, "Man, that's that's something real." Absolutely. All right, so Corey, we've had a great discussion about trials and blessings, and 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 those types of things that we face in this world. And I really hope that we have have shown you some of those things. and And we've got a couple more things to talk about, Corey. Is there anything? Anything left in regards to trials and blessings that you'd like to bring up before we kind of close that book and move on to some announcements?
1: Absolutely. So we talk a lot about God's negative hand. And, And like I say, I think most of the time that's misapplied because prophetic catastrophes are a very small, narrow category. Let me talk about what the Bible does say about God's hand in disasters. The Bible repeatedly gives examples of God's hand stopping disasters. God protecting us from things we don't even know about. There's a great story about Balaam's donkey that God made talk because Balaam was an idiot and kept just about getting himself killed. And talking about an angel of the Lord protecting him. And God using a donkey to keep Balaam from from pretty much getting his head cut off. And that's a great example of things that we don't even see, that God takes his hand and protects us. I love, I love, I love the account of Jesus being born that we found in Revelation. Because the account of Revelation starts with the army of angels who are fighting demons and fighting them off as they try to attack Mary and Jesus while Jesus is born. Mm Mm-hmm. We don't see that supernatural army, but if I got to pick the nativity scene, it would have swords and knights with wings and battle above the nativity scene, and it would be a violent picture like what we have in Revelation, because that shows the the God protecting us, and we don't even know it. And yeah. so I think a lot of times we see it exactly wrong. How many consequences of sin has God saved us
0: from? Absolutely, who was it that said, but for God's grace, there be I talking about, um, about, you know, sinners going and, and, and committing all these sins and, and it's, it's God's grace that, that holds us from so many consequences of sin that we never committed because God protected us from temptation and protected us from disasters and all those things, you know? Um, absolutely. Well, well, Hey, you know, um, speaking of trials, You like that, uh, you like that little transition, Corey? You know, this has been a, (laughs) this has been a year filled with, with not only, um, trials for different people, for all sorts of different, in all sorts of different situations. It's also been filled with a lot of really annoying inconveniences and a lot of changes in schedule and a lot of changes in the method that we do ministry and all of that stuff. Um, what is our fall ministry plan in light of this crazy COVID year of 2020?
1: Absolutely. So we can't get on campus in the way that we've gotten on campus every other year. And by we, I mean, Chad, me, Elizabeth, the adults that are not enrolled, Jeremy, that are not enrolled at USAO, we can't be on campus. And so Our ministry is going to be totally student-led as far as outreach this year. So we are relying on you. And we need you to invite your friends. We need you to wear your shirts that we're going to pass out. Hopefully they'll be in by the time this podcast comes out. Um, We need you. We have shot some commercials. Chad's edited those. They're actually really good. Kyler is a movie star, y'all. We've had these commercials. Share those on Facebook. Tell them to your friends. Pray. Pray. We're still going to do all our stuff. We're going to have every Wednesday night, we're going to have Bible study. And so long as it's safe, we're going to have food. It's safe right now. We're going to serve with masks. But other than that, we're still going to have Wednesday night. We're still going to have Sunday morning pancakes. Uh, We're still going to have movies of the month. We're still going to have either football and cholesterol or just cholesterol (laughs) if there's no football that gets played. (laughs) But we're still going to do, we're still going on the fire and ice retreat we're still going to do our stuff. We're going to live life together. Mm-hmm. And we're delighted to share not only the gospel, but also our lives as well, as, as it says, I believe, in Thessalonians. Mm-hmm. So we're excited about that, but we need your help to help us overcome this natural disaster that we're living through.
0: Yeah. And and really, um, I would go so far as to consider this a charge to our Haven students. You know, you, um, if you're listening to this and you're plugged into the Haven, and and you aren't just first seeing this because you were introduced to the Haven in the last couple of days or anything like that, um, we are depending on you to take up the mantle of leadership that in a lot of ways uh, we as adults have, have held um, really since this ministry has been started, at least in the past few years since I've been involved. And um, we're not sure exactly what that's going to look like, but we need for you as our Haven students to really pick up that mantle and charge forward because people still need Jesus even when us adults can't get on that campus.
1: And I believe it's going to happen. I'm already seeing it. Yeah. This Sunday we had, I think more students than we've ever had on the first Sunday of the year. Usually it's the second Sunday of the year when we start to start to praise God expand. And this Sunday we had like 26 students Mm -hmm. uh, come get involved at church this Sunday morning. Absolutely. So, that was awesome. Um, I'm pumped about that. So God's already doing stuff, and he's already using you to do it. So yes. That's awesome. Yeah. Chad, I want to say thank you. Everybody, the whole podcast system was Chad's idea, 100%. Chad set us up. He built a podcast sound booth thingy. He's edited. He's learned all these things and has made this happen this summer. So I've really enjoyed doing this with you, Chad, and thank you so much for your hard work, guys. I just kind of sit down and talk, and uh, he does everything else. So, well,
0: it's uh, my pleasure. So it's, it's, my pleasure. it's been
1: awesome. Cade said. I feel like you're going to do another podcast before too long. Something will happen. You'll do <laughs> another one. And I said, son, I really hope we don't have another plague for a while.
0: <laughs> That's right. That's right. If we well, do,
1: I hope it's just the good old frog kind.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, I, I want to, you know, I want to, I want to take that, uh, That And and I really appreciate that. But I also want to thank you for being willing to be flexible, you know, during this time and just do some, just kind of go along with my crazy idea. And you know what, I think, uh, I hope that it's been a blessing. It's been a blessing for me. I've enjoyed doing this with you and, and all of you who are listening. um, Thank you. Thank you for your flexibility in watching our video lessons, watching, watching our video sermons with Corey last spring, tuning into this podcast. I hope that it's blessed you. And I cannot say enough how excited I am to see you on Wednesday nights coming up. I am so ready to see all of you in the flesh. It's going to be wonderful. I'm going to be, I'll probably be trying to hide the fact that I'm tearing up all night because I missed you guys so bad. So
1: And one last thing. This Wednesday, hopefully we get it out by Wednesday, which is tomorrow, so probably not. This Wednesday begins the 10th year of the Haven. That's a big deal, y'all. Yeah. That's a decade. So come celebrate with us. Absolutely. See you there.
0: Absolutely. We'll see you there. Corey, I love you. I appreciate you. I'll see you tomorrow, August 17th at 9 p.m. for the Haven.
1: Love you, man. See ya. See ya.